We're going to go back and get this oldie, but goodie. He has done great things for me. Reverend Hayden and the members of Cade Chapel built the present church facility. After 41 years of faithful service, Reverend Hayden retired in 68. And in 69, Dr. Horace Lawson Buckley accepted the invitation to become the pastor of Cade Chapel. Building on the church's legacy of progress, Pastor Buckley began to institute and expand various departments, committees, programs, and ministries for the spiritual and physical betterment of the church and the community. And in time, Cade Chapel became a full-time church. In 1972, the Young Adult Fellowship Choir was organized, and in 73, the church celebrated its first mortgage burning. That year, the Sunday school grew to three departments, primary, NT, and adult, and the church membership increased to 745. It was also in this year that the church partnered with Jackson Hines Comprehensive Health to house the entire program in the assembly area and classrooms. The very first Cade Chapel Christmas Cantata was staged in 1979, and since then, this musical celebration of the Nativity has been an annual event. By 1980, the centennial year, the church membership numbered 1,200, and in 85, a tragic fire partially destroyed the church, but was followed by a major renovation resulting in the addition of multi-purpose rooms, a library, and 13 classrooms upstairs. The first female trustee, Sister Edith Carter, was elected in 88, and in 1991, the church celebrated the second mortgage burning. Deacon Mackenzie Crump, who served as chairman of the Deacon Board for 25 years, was present at that mortgage burning. He joins me today to talk a little bit more about Cade's history. Uh, Mackenzie Crump. Uh, I joined KSEP in 1977. Uh, back then, when I joined, it was uh, uh, much smaller. The area was much smaller. We had uh, probably 
uh, less than 500 members at that time. And uh, uh, we, uh, ev everything was on a smaller scale. Choirs were smaller, the deacon board was smaller, mother boards were smaller. Uh, ev everything was just on a much smaller scale. My seat was fourth seat from the back in this row right here. Uh, during that time, my wife worked. She, she, my wife was in there, she worked on Sundays. And uh, well, she worked like every other Sunday. We had three girls, uh, five, three, and one. And so I brought my girls to church every Sunday. And, and that's where we would come in and sit, full seat from the back. And, and, uh, and, I, and I, you know, I accused Reverend Buckley of uh, seeing me bring my girls in. <laughs> and, I, and I think he said, well, he's taking to those girls. He can help us take care of church. <laughs> and I think that's where I got called to the front. When we all do what we can, everything we do, will look like a miracle. That's how it goes. Uh, and, and that's why we, uh, uh, we, we try to get everybody to do support. You know, what you can't do, you may not be able to do what the next person did, but do what you can. That's how we started our tithing uh, at this church. Off of that slogan, uh, we put in place a tithing system and, and then we had people to start buying into it and after that uh, that's when uh, uh, our financial uh, situation started really really improving uh, the blessings that God have given us I, I, I think uh, when we walk in, in this building uh, uh, you know we look at it as something that we did we did all this by ourselves and we don't think about the blessings that came along with this building. You know, uh, 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 God blessed the people that gave the financial assistance in order for us to build this building. And I think we take that for granted. We just say, that, you know, we did this ourselves and, and uh, we couldn't have done it without the uh, blessing from the good Lord. Oh, I think uh, it's, it's been uh, a lifesaver in the community. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's been a place, uh, you know, we had a, a community health center here at one time uh, where uh, the uh, uh, a group that was uh, uh, bringing children in for, you know, uh, that checkup and vaccinations and all that, and then we had the, a uh, also had a community health center at one time, where it was all ages that came for their checkup and for their health, and then we also extended the church uh, for uh, NAACP meetings. Uh, uh, people that were running, black people that were running for officer. Uh, they could come here and meet here, and uh, it, it, it was just a community meeting place. But it's, it's black history because uh, uh, if, if you go back, uh, I would say, 
I can go back until to 1967 when I first started visiting here and, and, and back in, in 1967 and on up. Uh, when it wasn't popular for black people to meet and plan their strategy as to what they was going to do, where they was going to march, where, where they were going to have the city in. Case Chapel was one of the places that was always open for them to come and, and meet. So I, I think we contributed uh, greatly uh, to black history. I think uh, that's history right there within itself. Cade history is black history. Good morning to each of you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. This is the day that the Lord has made. We are rejoicing and we are exceedingly glad. Come on and put those hands together and bless the name of the Lord in your house, in your home, in your apartment, wherever you are. Go on and give God some praise because God is great and he is greatly to be praised. He's brought us through another week, a week unlike any other, amen, in recent history in Mississippi. And so we are thankful for the God of our salvation. You know what we need to do go ahead and share this online live stream service with your family and your friends let them know that k chapel is on live right now and you want them to watch right along with you but not just watch but worship the lord also this is not just a watch party but this is a worship experience so go ahead and share it now and let your neighbors watch and worship with you together we've come to magnify the name of the lord let's pray beloved father in the name of jesus how grateful how thankful we are for another day's journey. God, you've been so good. Hmm. We've been through so much this week. And God, you've been faithful to us. God, lights have gone out, but you've stayed right there. Water stopped flowing, but you are an ever-present well inside of us. And so, God, we thank you that in spite of all that we didn't have, that we always knew we could call on the name of the Lord. We bless you, O oh God. We magnify your holy name. And for this, we give you praise. Now we've come, O oh God, to lift you up, to let your praise be made known throughout this world. And so, God, we pray that there be no hindrance in our hallelujahs. We pray, oh God, that there be no, nothing that stops our thank you, Jesus. God, we pray now that you would allow this worship to be glorifying to you and edifying to us. For we have come to bless the name of the Lord. Accept our praise now in Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you. God bless you. Listen, the band is here and you know what we've come to do. We've come to bless the name of the Lord. Bless the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So come on, stand to your feet and let's bless the Lord together.
morning, church. Our scripture today comes from Exodus chapter 5, verses 10 through 12, and it reads as follows. And the taskmasters of the people went out, and their officers, and they spake to the people, saying, Thus saith Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go ye, get you straw, where you can find it. Yet not aught of your work shall be diminished. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. May the Lord add a blessing to the readers, hearers, and doers of his holy word. If you will, bow with me for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come thanking you again for allowing us to see this day, Lord, to assemble to worship. Lord, we pray for our bereaved families and those that are suffering. Lord, we pray for the sick and afflicted, that you comfort those, Lord. Lord, we again thank you for bringing us through this week of inclement weather. We pray for those that have lost power, uh, heat, and don't have access to water, Lord. Pray for those whose homes were damaged during storms in other states, uh, through tornadoes and what have you, Lord. Lord, we pray that you ease those that are experiencing, ease the stress and anxiety of those who are experiencing financial difficulties, Lord, who've lost a job or don't have a home, uh, Lord. And again, those that are suffering because they don't have any water or heat. Lord, uh, we pray for the message that's delivered today, Lord. We ask that you open our hearts and minds to be able to receive it, Lord. Uh, pray for our pastor as he delivers it to us. Lord, we, again, we thank you. Uh, we pray that uh, for those that, that, that don't know you and are part of their sins, Lord, this morning, we pray that something is said and done, you pray convict their hearts or prick their hearts, Lord, to be able to receive it. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done for us, Lord. We thank you for all that you're going to do. Lord, we thank you for how far you brought us. In Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Deacon. Uh, Guy, I appreciate you being here. And thank you to all of you who have uh, been ministering and praying uh, for our our family, our, our K Chapel family, our community at large, uh, as we went through some some swift transitions, Amen. On last week, that's what the song said. Time is filled with swift transition, and certainly we saw that last week when we left here on Sunday. Uh, it didn't look too bad, but uh, oh my! By Sunday night and Monday morning. Uh, it, it was a different story, and it stayed that way basically all week long uh, until just about Friday and yesterday. I think Friday was the first day uh, I ventured out just a little bit, and, and Saturday as well. Uh, and, and so we know that many of you have been through much. Uh, many of you lost power. Uh, many of us also lost water, and so we want to keep you in our prayers. Let me take a moment, though, to thank, while, while we're doing that, you know what, can y'all give me just a verse and a chorus of, of hold to his hand, God's unchanging hand, because that's, that's, that's really what we need y'all to do. That's what we really need to do uh, in times like these, amen. And while we're doing that, let me thank, let me go on record and thank just a few people uh, who made some things happen for us. I got a phone call 
uh, I believe on Wednesday by Wednesday or Thursday it was, uh, that our people in the uh, K Chapel Senior Apartments uh, were in need of water, uh, water to flush their toilets, water to do all kinds of things. Uh, and we were scrambling trying to find water because we could not uh, provide the tanker that we did last time. This happened back in 2018. All of that equipment was all the way in Texas and in Arkansas and other places. So we had to just call on on call on the name of the Lord, but then call on our brothers and our sisters to help us out. And so let me thank, let me thank uh, members of Alpha Phi Alpha, the grad chapter of Alpha Phi Alpha. Let me thank Hines County Sheriff's Department, uh, Brother Moody, Reverend Redman, Reverend Sister Redman, Reverend Don, uh, Brother Crowley. There may be others whose names I don't have, but we sent the call out, and those are some who I know who answered to make sure that, that, that our residents down at the K Courtyard have water that they can take care of just sanitary needs. We thank God for you. Thank God for you blessing the people, blessing the community in the fine way that you did. And we just need to do that. Just hold a God's unchanging hand. Can I let y'all loose on one verse of that real quick? Y'all, y'all have a little church at home. his name bless his name amen amen listen it's giving time we want you to prepare your gifts your offerings to give now unto the lord god of our salvation god has been faithful god has been good god has been providing for you he's been providing for me and so let us give now in this part of our worship service you can give by any number of ways that are listed on your screen right now whatever you do we ask you to do so two things to do two things to give so regularly and to give so liberally for the Lord loves a cheerful and liberal giver. Won't you give now?
for this offering. We thank you for those that have had the ability and the desire to give. Lord, we thank you for those that didn't have the ability but had the desire and could not give. Lord, we ask that you bless it, make it be used in the furnace of the kingdom, Lord, and according to your will. Again, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Anybody know you're healed this morning? Are you declaring that by the Lord's stripes, I am healed? Amen, I am healed. Hallelujah. Of every sickness, I am healed. Of the sin-sick soul, I am healed. By his stripes, I am healed. Amen. Listen, K Chapel, do me a favor and help me welcome two of our newest members. Uh, two of our newest members, we want to give them a virtual uh, right hand of fellowship. You know what we want you to do. Go ahead and put that handshake in the timeline and welcome our two newest members we have with us. Uh, fellowship into the church this morning, Kennedy McKee. Kennedy McKee and also Dr. Lisa Gibson McKee. Go ahead and fellowship them into the church. Welcome the McKees uh, to K Chapel. Let them know that you're glad to be uh, with them and their brothers and sisters in Christ and that you're glad that they are now with us. They're part of the K Chapel family. We welcome Kennedy and Dr. Lisa Gibson McKee right now. God bless you and God keep you is our prayer. Listen, so we we are, I, I suppose it sounds like, it sounds like, it sounds like we are featuring uh, drums this morning. Amen. Amen. Brother Maurice Gibson on the drums. Amen. Amen. You're playing them too, brother. You're wearing them skins out, brother. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. I see you got the JSU the I love. You're, you're, you're JSU alone. Amen. How long you been with us now, uh, Maurice? 10 years? It's been 10 years. My God. You've been with us 10 years. Nah, man, I didn't want to believe it was 10 years. I mean, I'm really getting old. God bless you. Good to have you with us, though, man. Amen. We thank God. And listen, all these guys, sometimes you may be wondering, I thought he was on this instrument. I thought he was on. Well, they are. They, they just interchange. They can play all kinds of instruments. So Justin is on the bass. He's usually on the lead. Maurice sometimes plays bass, but he's on the drums today. So these guys, they, they just interchange. They're gifted and anointed like that. We thank God for them. They're going to come now and give us one last selection before the word of God. If you're being blessed by this, these instrumentalists, amen, these musicians, they're, you know what? They're more than a band. They, they are God's gifted, anointed uh, musicians who minister the word of God through to us through music. And so if you're being blessed by them, go ahead and show them some love in the timeline as well. They're coming now for this, our last selection before the word of God.
less of me and more of thee. In Jesus' name, amen. It ain't over <laughs> till God says it's over. Amen, amen. God bless you, God bless you. Listen, uh, share with me in the reading of God's holy word from the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter number 5. Just a couple of verses, beginning with verse number 10. I want to read out of the English Standard Version. There you will find these words recorded. So the taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out and said to the people, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go and get your straw yourselves wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced in the least. So the people were scattered throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. Thus ends the reading of God's holy word. I want to preach from the subject this morning. You don't need milk to make cornbread. You don't need milk to make cornbread. Carol, I think I was probably about six or seven years old when I was first introduced to hot water cornbread. I remember I was in the kitchen with my mother and I was excited because in my eyes, Brian Mama was making pancakes for dinner. Didn't know why Mama had chosen to make pancakes for dinner. That was not something we usually did. Breakfast food was for breakfast. Dinner food was for dinner. But since she was making pancakes, and pancakes were my favorite thing, I was not going to argue or question her menu choice. One after one, she began putting those little cakes on a plate. I couldn't wait sink my fork into those pancakes after drizzling them with my favorite Mrs. Butterworth's syrup. But I soon discovered that those light and fluffy pancakes that I was waiting for were not really all that light. They were actually a bit heavy. And when I broke into them, they were not fluffy. They were grainy. And my mother looked at me and said, Reggie, those are not pancakes. Those are whole cakes. Wish I had some generation X's with me here. Those, those are not pancakes. Those are, those are whole cakes. This is what we call hot water cornbread. Hot water what? Even though I wanted pancakes, I, I quickly discovered, I quickly discovered that hot water cornbread was all right. In fact, later, at some point in my coming of age, I discovered, Brian, that if you put some blackburn syrup, not Miss Butterworth's, blackburn syrup on top of hot water cornbread, you had yourself something. Now, now hear me and hear me well. Sugar don't go on grits, but blackburn syrup goes on cornbread. Wish I had a witness in here. It, it, it would be much later in life. It would be much later in life before I understood the significance of and the reason behind hot water cornbread as a recipe of improvisation. This, th this was one of those recipes that had been passed down generation to generation by a people who had learned how to improvise when they didn't have the preferred ingredients. 
Our foreparents had learned how to make cornbread when they didn't have any milk. And I know the recipes in your cookbook will tell you that you need milk to make cornbread. I know that the directions on the back of that Jiffy Mix box will tell you that you need milk to make cornbread. I, I know that Betty Crocker and Martha Stewart and Rachel Ray and Gordon Ramsay will tell you that you need milk to make cornbread. I know the culinary experts and the sous chefs and the food critics will tell you that you need milk to make cornbread. But there are a few folk out there who will agree with me. Reverend, I know how to make cornbread without any milk. In fact, in fact, if truth be told, life has taught you how to do a whole lot of things and how to get through a whole lot of situations and how to overcome a whole lot of obstacles, not having all the things at your disposal that everybody else has had. Can I remind you of it? Come on and walk with me down memory lane for just a minute. You, you, you didn't have proper book covers, but mama went and made groceries one day and you had some brown paper bags. So, so you cut those sunflower or jitney jungle bags open, you flipped them over so that the logo would not be showing, and you wrapped those school books and decorated it with your uh, jumbo crayons or your markers with your own artwork, and you went off proud to school with your custom-made book covers. Why? Because you learned that you didn't need milk to make cornbread. Do I have a witness in here? You, you, you couldn't go to the shoe shop but you, 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 to get that hole in, in the bottom of your shoe fixed, but you got some cardboard and you cut it just the right side, put it on the inside, not the outside, the inside of your shoe, taped it over, and you went off to the playground and played like everybody else. Why? Because you learned that you did not need milk to make cornbread. Do I have a witness in this house? Some, some, some of you, some of you, some of you, when you had a, 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 a hold at the toe of your sock. You didn't throw those socks away. You pulled them down a little bit and tucked them underneath. I got two or three witnesses out there. You tucked them underneath and you kept on going. Why? Because you learned that you didn't need milk to make cornbread. When you ran out of deodorant, you had baking soda. When you ran out of toothpaste, you had baking soda. When you got burned, you didn't have neosporin, but you did have baking soda. And you learned that you did not need milk to make cornbread. When your pants gave away at the knee, you didn't throw them away. You put a patch in the knee and you kept them for another school year. So, so when the water went out this week from the ice storm and everybody got flustered, there were a few of you who just kicked into survival mode and, and you got your shovel out, you got your hoe out and you started collecting ice and put the ice in the bathtub because you knew eventually it would melt and when it melted you would have water. Uh, the ice from the outside would flush your toilets on the inside because you understood early on that you did not need milk in order to make cornbread. I wish I had a witness in this house. Are there any anybody out there who would just have the survivors instinct, any survivors who will not mind admitting that you know how to make some stuff work. You've had some situations that you had to use things for which they were not made. You had to figure some things out. You had to create some new applications for common things that you had handy. You didn't have the best of everything, but you learned how to make a way. You learned how to do without. You didn't have what the recipe called for you, but you learned how to cook it anyhow. You didn't have the real thing, but you learned how how to get by and that's that's what our history has been about learning how to get through learning how to get over learning how to improvise and survive when you didn't have the best things in life Are there any, is there anybody out there who can witness and testify with me yeah Reverend I didn't have the best of anything but I learned how to do that without the thing the things that I wanted and do with the things that I had as I think as I think as I think about the African-American experience in this country Survival has been the song that we've had to learn by memory.
and play different arrangements of in different keys depending on the situation that we found ourselves in, ours. It's a story of being restricted by limited resources and figuring out how to make something with little of nothing, how to produce within constrictive parameters, how to make more with less, how to improvise without the preferred ingredients, and how to live off of leftovers. We took what we had, found what we could get our hands on, and we used what many times was waste, and we made something out of it that people wanted. We made scrumptious delicacies out of discarded scraps. We made entrees out of entrails. We made essential products from everyday peanuts. We took what we had and made something more of it. Took what was throwaway and created something worth preserving. Took what we could get and make what we needed. And we learned that you didn't need milk to make cornbread. Can can I just say parenthetically, that's really what our HBCUs are. Our HBCUs have a long history of using meager means and limited resources to do what many never imagined possible. Little campuses like Jackson State University, which started out as Natchez Seminary, just a little campus. Many of them started out with little more than just a little wood frame building, but those little buildings have grown to become the Howards and the Hamptons, the Tougaloos and the Tuskegees, the Stillmans and the Spellmans, the Fisks and the FAMUs that produce doctors and lawyers, engineers and scientists, teachers, preachers, authors and artists who give to humanity world-class excellence and life-changing inventions because we learned that you didn't need milk in order to make cornbread. I suppose, I suppose that's why African-Americans have always identified with the story of the ancient Hebrews. Because when we read this Exodus account of the Hebrew slaves, we see our own story. We read our own reality. And as we read of how the Lord related to the children of Israel in Egyptian bondage, we see God's hand stirring in the drama of black people in American slavery. And we are reminded that the same God who delivered them delivered us. The same God who stayed with them stayed with us. The same God who made a way for them made a way for us. The same God who heard their cries heard our moans. And the same God that came to see about them would come and see about us. When we meet these Hebrew slaves in this text, they have suffered under Egyptian oppression for over 400 years. And at this juncture, their enslavement was about to become even more oppressive. Because now on top of being enslaved, on top of being made to work in order to build up a nation that was not their own, on top of being forced to live in a land where they didn't have any rights, on top of generations of their people being born into slavery and dying in that same system, now this Pharaoh tightens the boats and makes their labor even more heartbreakingly horrendous. All because Moses... And Aaron have requested that Pharaoh let the people go into the wilderness and worship God. Pharaoh has demanded that their workload be increased by having them to no longer be given straw to make bricks, but rather to make them go and harvest their own straw. In essence, Pharaoh says, since you've got ideas of worshiping some other God in your minds, you must not be working hard enough. Since you got time to contemplate liberation, you must not have enough labor. You've got time to dream about worship. You must not have enough work. Stop giving them straw and make them go to the fields and get it for themselves. And while you're at it, Pharaoh says, keep the same quota in place. Give them more work, less resources, and keep the quota 
in place. Give them more to do, less to do it with, and keep the same production goal in mind. Give them more to do, lesser means, but don't slow down the production line. Have you ever worked somewhere where you've been expected to keep up when you aren't given the proper support? They expect you to produce like your competition, but they don't invest in your success like the competitors do. They want more out of you, but give you less. They, they want more out of you, but, but give you less to work with, fewer people resources, lesser equipment or quality of facilities, fewer resources to utilize, lesser pay to live off of. They downsize the staff, give you a different title and shift more responsibilities onto you, but they don't adjust the salary. They were suffering under an oppressive pharaoh who had determined to make life even worse. Give them no straw to make their bricks. Let them get it for them themselves. Now here's why that was such a task. Because straw was harvested after the wheat crop. After the wheat had been harvested, the Egyptians would leave the stems of the wheat in the field to collect it for straw later, which means that straw was available only once a year after the wheat harvest. But brick making was a year-round thing. Brick making happened year-round. Harvesting of straw happened one time a year, which means that they had to have collected straw over the years and stored it up so that when it was not harvest time, brick manufacturing could still take place. So the straw that had been used, had been being used was straw that had been stored. And Pharaoh says, now let them go get their own straw. In essence, what he did was he cut off the stored straw supply which meant that until it was after the harvest time, they would have to go and find something that would work in place of the straw. Until, until the wheat had been collected, until the stems had been standing and they could get into the fields to collect that straw, they had to go find something in the wilderness that they could replace for straw. They would need to make bricks without the benefit of having access to the preferred ingredient. The reality is that at some point you too will be met with an unfair situation because life is not fair. People are not fair. Companies and businesses do not always do right by their employees. School districts don't do right by their teachers. Car factories don't do right by their line workers. Chicken plants don't do right by their largely immigrant workforce. And sadly, even churches don't always do right by their staff and personnel. We, we want to provide less. We, we want more, but give less. We want more, but support less. We want more, but sacrifice less. We want more, but show up less. We want more, but invest less. Less of our time, less of ourselves, less of our talent, less of our abilities, less of what we could bring to the table. And we ask of others to make brick without giving them any straw. When people who work for the church cannot afford to get sick, that's a problem. Hear me and hear me well, I'll say it again for somebody in the back. When people who work for the church cannot afford to get sick, 
that's a problem. And that's a problem that we have to correct. If the church is not fair with its workers, and I'm not talking about fair with the pastor, I'm talking about all of its workers. If the church is not fair with its workers, all of its workers, what kind of witness are we putting before the world? The church must be the example of what fair wages and fair benefits look for all who labor here. That goes for the pastor. That goes for the custodian. That goes for the daycare workers. That goes for everybody who labors for the Lord. The reality, yes, is that we live in a fallen world that is fraught with disparities and differences, inequities and injustices. And in life, you must learn how to survive while fighting for fairness. How to improvise when you aren't given the right ingredients, when life leaves you on unequal footing with your peers, and when you are made to face an impossible situation or operate in an unfair scenario or expected to perform with insufficient support, unequal resources, or deal with disparities that favor others over you. There are a few things in this text. That you need to remember. Number one, remember this, remember this, here it is. Always get to the next chapter. Always get to the next chapter. Because listen, if this story ended in chapter five, it would be a story most miserable. For after Pharaoh lowers the boom, making matters worse for the Hebrew slaves, the foremen who were Hebrew overseers are beaten. They are beaten because the slaves are not meeting and making their quota. They go to Pharaoh and plead their case, but to no avail, Pharaoh sends them away saying, y'all are just lazy. You, you got worship on your mind instead of work. And, and so these overseers leave Pharaoh and go to have a meeting with Moses and Aaron and say to Moses and Aaron, look at the mess you've gotten us into. We were fine until you came filling our heads with freedom and liberation. We were fine until you started talking to us and then to Pharaoh about leaving Egypt to go to the wilderness to worship. And now look at the fix that we're in. We can't find enough straw. We can't make enough bricks. And Pharaoh is not letting up. Evidently, their meeting with Moses was so convincing that even Moses goes to the Lord and says to him, Why have you done evil to these people? And why did you ever send me to Pharaoh? Ever since I went before him to speak in your name, nothing but evil has come upon your people. And that's how chapter 5 ends. Not enough stubble for substitute straw. They can't keep up the quota. And this emerging leader named Moses is nothing more than a troublemaker. That's how chapter 5 ends. But you need to understand that the end of a chapter is not necessarily the end of a story. And some of you have given up on life because of how the chapter that you're in has ended. You've stopped believing because the chapter that you're in ends on a low note. Some of you stopped dreaming and have given up on your goals because of how the chapter you're in has ended. It ended with some unforeseen circumstances. It ended with some unplanned situations. It ended with some unexpected twists. It ended with some unfortunate detours. But I stopped by this morning to remind you that the end of the chapter is not necessarily the end of a story. 
you need to turn on to chapter 6 because in chapter 5, Pharaoh was talking. In chapter 5, the Hebrews were talking. In chapter 5, Moses and Aaron were talking. But in chapter 6, God starts talking. In chapter 6, God opens up his mouth. In chapter 6, God says, now shall thou see what I will do to Pharaoh for with a strong hand he will send them out and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. If you stopped in chapter 5, my brothers and sisters, you would be singing, woe is me. But if you go on to chapter 6, you'll start singing how I got over. In chapter 5, you'd be singing over my head. I see trouble in the air. But in chapter 6, you'll start singing the Lord will make a way somehow. In chapter 5, you'll be singing sometimes I feel like a motherless child. But in chapter 6, you'll start singing he's got the whole world in his hand. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying don't let how chapter 5 ends keep you from getting to chapter 6. Don't let where you are now keep you from getting to where you're going because in chapter 6 God is going to start speaking in chapter 6 the Lord is going to rise up in chapter 6 the hand of God is going to push you into your destiny in chapter 6 your enemies are going to begin to understand that they're not fighting against you but they're fighting against the God in you in chapter 6 the wrongs are being made right your enemies are becoming your footstools inequities are becoming balance unfairness is being flipped disparities are being erased in the words of Isaiah valleys are being exalted hills are being made low rough places are being made plain crooked places are being made straight and the glory of the Lord is being revealed and all flesh shall see it together don't let how chapter 5 ends keep you from getting to your chapter 6 I know I know I know I know that last year was a tough year but don't let all of 2020 keep you from seeing what God is going to do in 2021. I know the last few months have been tough for somebody, but don't let January and February keep you from expecting to hear from God in March and April. Don't stop living in chapter five. Get to your chapter six. Because secondly, not only do we hear that God starts talking in chapter six, but we hear specifically that God reminds Moses of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Look at it, it's in the text. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. And I have established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage wherein they were strangers. That's the second thing I need you to remember, beloved. When you are made to face an impossible situation or operate in an unfair scenario, remember this. Number two, listen to God's promises, not man's protests. Listen to God's promises, not man's protests. Here it is. Chapter six, God starts talking. And a choice has to be made. Either listen to Pharaoh's protests or listen to God's promises. You see, because Pharaoh protested Moses' request to let the Hebrews go into the wilderness to worship. Pharaoh protested the idea that there was a God who was higher than he was. Pharaoh protested 
the notion that these people should be released from Egyptian bondage. He protested the suggestion that that they should no longer work for free. He protested the idea that they should be given their freedom and no longer build a nation that wasn't their own. He protested the idea that they could do anything other than be slaves. He protested the notion that God wanted to make a nation out of them. He protested the suggestion that they were God's chosen people. And not only did he protest, protested but he tried to back up his protest by demonstrating some of his power by punishing them but hear me it was just it was just one of man's protests God had made a promise and God's promise is always more powerful than man's protests man can protest all he wants but he can never subvert the promises of God Man can protest what he will, but man's protest can never usurp the promises of God. God said to Moses, I made a promise. I entered into a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they knew me by my name, Almighty, or El Shaddai, but I did not reveal to them my other name, Yahweh, the Lord. In other words, what God says to Moses is, I am the Lord, and God is not a man that he should lie, nor is he the son of man that he should repent. What I've said, I will do what I've spoken, I will make it good. Do I have a witness in this house? That means one thing and one thing only, brothers and sisters. Man may not like it, but God says, I promise it, the only thing man can do is protest it. He can protest it, but he can't change it. He can protest it, but he can't amend it. He can protest it, but he can't keep it from happening. He can protest it, but he can't stop it. He can protest it, but he can't keep it from coming to pass. And that's why you don't ever need to get disillusioned by the protest. Just remember what he promised. He promised that he would make you the head and not the tail. He may protest it, but God promised it. He promised that he would make you above and not believe. They may protest it, but they cannot stop it. He promised to make you a lender and not a borrower. They may protest it, but he can't, but man cannot stop it. He promised to bless you when you go out and bless you when you come in. Man may protest it, but man can't stop it. God promised to give you land that the soles of your feet would walk upon. Man may protest it, but man cannot stop it. God promised to give you houses that you didn't build and let you eat from vineyards that you didn't plant. Man may protest it, but he cannot stop it because God promised it. Here, here these Hebrew slaves made to make brick without straw. They see it only as unfair. They see it as an impossible task to complete. So here's the last thing, and I'm through. I want you to remember when you are made to face an impossible situation or operate in an unfair scenario. Here it is, and I'm through. Here it is. It's all I got. If you've got God, you've got enough. If you have God, you have enough. Listen to it. God is talking, I told you, in chapter 6. Listen to what he says, starting with chapter 5, and I, I mean verse 5, he says, And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid, rid you out of their bondage, and I, will redeem you with 
a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people and I will be to you a God and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Verse 8, and I will bring you into in unto the land concerning that which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you for a heritage. I am the Lord. Over and over again in this passage, God says, the problem is, is that you've been looking and you've been listening too much to Pharaoh. And I know he's got some power right now. He says, but I, I am the Lord. I will do what I said I would do. I will bring you out and I will take you in. I will make you my people and I will be your God. Do I have a witness here? God said, don't worry about the task that's impossible. I know Pharaoh gave you an impossible task by asking you to make brick without straw. He says, but don't worry about finding any straw because I am going to redeem you with my arm. Don't worry about how you're going to make this unfair and unethical quota because I am going to be your God and you're going to be my people. And hear me, my brothers and sisters, I'm through when God is on your side. I heard the apostle Paul say, if God be for you, who shall be against you? That's what I need you to remember. If God is for you, who shall be against you? If God is fighting your battles, who can fight against you? If God is holding your hand, who can separate you from the love of God? Remember what the psalmist said. He said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life of whom shall I be afraid is there anybody here who can testify today that the Lord has been right by my side and I did not have the best of everything but because I had God walking with me because I had God talking to me. Because I had God holding my hand. The things that I didn't have, God made up for it. Isn't the Lord all right? Is there anybody at home today who can testify? There's some things that I just had to learn how to get through. There's some things that I had to improvise my way through. There's some things that I had to make substitutions for. 
but through it all, I say God has been good to me. I didn't have the best of education, but he got me to school anyhow. I didn't get straight A's, but he made me pass anyhow. I didn't go to Ivy League, but thank God I got out anyhow. Is there anybody at home today that can witness to the Lord and tell him, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. That if I didn't have this, you'd give me that. If I didn't have what he had, you'd give me enough. If I didn't have what my competitors had, as long as I had the Lord, I had everything that I needed. Say yes, say it. I've learned learn I didn't need milk to make cornbread I've learned that what I didn't have God would supply me for what I needed I believe that's why Paul could say I've learned in what whatsoever state I am Therewith to be content. I've learned how to be abased and I've learned how to abound. I've learned that if the Lord is on my side, there's nothing that me and God can't do together. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. Be gracious unto you and give you his peace. I am standing on the promises of Jesus and I believe he will do just what he said. No more doubt or disbelief Causing my faith to decrease All the more I'll take him at his word And I'll trust and never, never, never doubt. I'll stand upon his promises. For in the time of trouble, he will bring me out. Because, Lord,
waiting for you on the other side. Father who wanted this child healed, ask the Lord to heal, heal his child. And Jesus asked the question, do you believe? Because if you believe, all things are possible to him that believes. I pray this morning that you believe the promises of God. I pray that you believe that everything that he said concerning you shall come to pass. But more than any of that, I pray for someone who needs to believe this morning that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the son of God, that he died on a cross for your sins and that he rose again from the dead. Before you can believe any of the promises concerning you, you need to believe the access that he made possible for you. If you're ready to accept Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to call the number that's on your screen. Somebody's waiting there to talk with you and lead you into that relationship with Jesus Christ. Take that step of faith by calling those numbers, dialing those numbers. They'll pray with you. They'll lead you to new life in Jesus Christ. Believe now. Just believe. Just believe. 
And listen, if you've already accepted Christ, here's the thing I want you to do. If you're tuning in and you've been tuning in for some time now, you've been being spiritually fed by, by this ministry, and you've been wondering how and if it's proper to connect with us and if there's a way to do that, you call too because there's some answers on the other side waiting for you. Just believe. Just believe. Believe that there's work for you in the kingdom. Believe that there's a space for you, even if it's virtual for right now. Believe that God wants you connected with Cade to become a part of our history. Let's walk it out together. God bless you and God keep you is our prayer. Now may the grace of God and the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with each of you now, henceforth, and forevermore. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. God bless you. Go in peace and go be great.